Welcome to the Young Entrepreneur's Journey with your host, Yasmina Ellens. Welcome to the Young Entrepreneur's Journey, where we take the skills, mindset, and attitude needed to achieve any entrepreneurial endeavor, whether you're just starting out or you're already on your journey. And now, our host, Yasmina Ellens. You are here today because you are on the journey to earn your financial freedom doing what you love. Now, today I'm speaking to Cole Humphus, who was able to earn his financial freedom five years after leaving his corporate job. He grew an online photography education company called Cole's Classroom with only a $49 a month program to 10,000 members. Sound cool? It gets cooler. If you do the maths on that, that's a whopping $5.8 million a year, which is no joke. Cole sold his company 18 months ago and then went into semi-retirement. Now he was coming back out of semi-retirement so that he can help others scale their business without having to rely on big teams and social media. Cole is also a well-known member of the Notorious War Room Mastermind, which is a high-level mastermind for which you need a seven-figure business to qualify to join. By the end of this interview, you will gain insight into how to scale your business without relying on social media. You will have the mindset that you need to build a successful business and you will feel that you too can earn your financial freedom doing what you love. Thank you so much for coming on today, Cole. It's an absolute pleasure. Hey, just happy to be here. And I got to say, like, I got to do more podcasts because I just, my favorite part is hearing everyone's intro about me. It's like I'm learning (laughs) stuff about myself. Every time I'm learning stuff about myself, it's great. It's, it's really cool to hear nice things about you, isn't it? It is. It is. I know. I know. Awesome. I, I told uh, I, I told someone on the last podcast today, I said, man, that was such a good intro. I said, I'm going to have to have you come on and intro me on my webinar whenever I start selling you know, my next product on the webinar. So I think- Hell I yeah, that sounds that like an day. awesome job. Yeah. So my first question for you, Cole, is what originally got you onto your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, that's a great question. And and I got to also say for anyone who's listening, none of this is scripted. And and I say that because it's fun for me to to hear the questions that um I get asked. That's a really good question. So, basically what happened was I was in uh, I had graduated with a finance degree and I was working in corporate finance and I was a cost estimator for the US government. I wasn't I should say we um, gave proposals to the government. So I wasn't a government employee, but I was in the defense contracting industry. And um, luckily I got really good at spreadsheets because that, that served me well into the future scaling the business. But essentially what happened was, you know, it, it honestly, uh, it was so like organic. And what I mean by that is like, even way back when I didn't know I was an entrepreneur, but I was like teaching like like guitar lessons when I was like 16 years old, you know, for like 30 bucks an hour. And it it wasn't like I was scaling that, but it was like money I was making on the side. And before that I ran a music website that one day landed in my lap. That was like the person who had the website, which was called sandiegopunk.com all about the punk rock scene out here. Um, They just didn't want to do it anymore, but they had like a couple people that advertised. So I took it over and then I like, went out crazy and I got way more advertisers. So looking back, I know that I always had that entrepreneurial spirit, but um, essentially what happened was one day at lunchtime at the day job, my buddies and I were talking 
And we just always would sort of come back and forth with different business ideas. We had this, I think, dream of like one day not working for the man, you know, and doing our own thing. And one day, one of my friends said, hey, my, my wife is quitting her job and she's going to become a wedding coordinator. And I was like, ah, oh. and back then this was in 2008. So there was a big recession going on. I said, oh, that's smart because people are still going to get married even in a recession. And then, and then I said, I have some friends that were wedding photographers on the side. And he said, yeah, I got a friend who's killing it with weddings too. And I said, man, I should be a wedding photographer. And I did. I literally went back to my desk and I, and I started researching cameras and I, um, you know, I think a day or two later bought myself a camera and literally decided that I was going to become a wedding photographer. And, and, you know, I, I, I fell in love with, I fell in love with having my own business. You know, it was fun taking pictures of people. We met a lot of great friends, um, had a lot of great clients and made, you know, we were taking 50 to $75,000 extra a year. Um, but I really fell in love with, I think, the challenge of trying to just build a bigger and better business, which obviously later on transpired into going online with that too. It's really awesome because it sounds like you had that entrepreneurial spirit within you for a while. And then when the right time came along, it just unleashed, which is really cool. And yeah. the question that I have is wedding photographer awesome. When most people think wedding photographer, they don't think, wow, this is going to make me rich, right? right they think, right. oh, this is this is fun. This is cute. I can make a decent living. I can do something I enjoy. So how did you take that passion of photography and turn that into money? Yeah, well, another great question. And I mean, I think, you know, when I look back, the, the, the plan was never that weddings were going to be the thing to make us rich. We didn't even have a plan to make us rich. You know, back then, and I think it's important to say that because looking back, I can say like, you know, now I've sold over $13.6 million worth of stuff online. But looking back, it's so awesome to be able to see like all the little doors that I opened that then led to the next thing. And back then, the decision was not doing weddings to get rich. The decision was this would be really great side income. So it was all about the side hustle because. I was working at the time when I first started, I was only making about, oh, geez. I mean, like fifty-five to $60,000 a year. So that was my main, that was my full-time job out of college. My wife was making less um, at the time, girlfriend, but we were living together. So she was making, I think like 45 grand. So we had sort of a hundred K give or take of on our full-time jobs. So you know, weddings were this sort of, sort of the uh, cherry on top, right? That was like, wow, if we can make an extra $40,000 a year, or then it was 50, then it was 70, whatever. So yeah, you know, and, and, and it was perfect for that. It was great. It was literally great. And that, that gave us a level of freedom that we didn't have. It wasn't that we were taking that money and then going and blowing it on, you know, silly things, but it soon became the thing that let us then sell the, the existing house and go buy an upgraded house. And then going from having to worry about or be more money con you know, conscious with where we went for vacation to, no, it's okay. Like we can go to Bora Bora kind of thing. And that sort of came later, but that, that did happen. Like when we went to Bora Bora, 
we wanted to go for a honeymoon, but we didn't go because back then we couldn't afford it. Well, later on we did. So yeah, I, I think it's just important to like, always like think about the steps that you need to take today that will open up a much brighter future for you later. Definitely. I think, you know, isn't the standard saying to become a millionaire, you need seven streams of income or something like that. I feel like that's the standard saying. So as, as soon as you can build extra things and have an extra thing that is working for you, uh, it opens up so many more opportunities because the reality is we all have, many people have more free time than they think. They just yeah. spend it on the wrong things. Yeah, get but you off were spending of Netflix, it. Get off of scrolling Instagram. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you were spending it on this wedding photography business. So if I understand correctly, you dipped from your corporate job when you had 150K in entrepreneurial income. Is that right? Did Was the question when I quit? Yeah, when you quit. Like if, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, you had a significant amount of money right. before you quit your job, which leads me to the question of how do you recommend that people who want to come become entrepreneurs but have a stable job, how do you recommend they go about leaving their job? Because some people kind of just just quit and don't have anything. Yeah, yeah. And then that, some that, people are more strategic, like you. Right. Yeah. So I mean, what actually happened was we juggled both the pers- the uh, court, the the day jobs. We stru- we we uh, juggled the day jobs and the weddings for. Oh, geez, we did both for so long. I'm talking. I mean, we didn't quit our day jobs until 2015, and we first started doing weddings in 2009. So we did literally six years of side hustling, you know, and, and basically what happened was I launched Cole's classroom in 2013. Cause I decided that I wanted to, well, like everyone, you just think that online is like easy money. Like, you know, I think that's like one of the biggest, like, Oh shit moments that most people have is like, Oh, everyone's killing it online. I'm just going to like make a course and people are going to buy it forever and I'm going to be rich. And I didn't necessarily think that, but I did think that if I worked hard, it would pay off. What I didn't, what I underestimated was with online, it is so hard to ever be seen that you can work your butt off for years and still be, have nobody know who the hell you are. And, you know, that became the thing that propelled me was cracking that code and realizing what I'm doing is not the best way of doing it. So let's try something new. But to answer the question, you know, we, we juggled the jobs forever. It felt like forever too. And we were happy to do it because we didn't ever know that there was this other path. Once we had Cole's classroom and I started making money from it, the first year that we tried to make money, we made 135,000. So Cole's class. So we had basically 60 or so thousand, you know, give or take um, from weddings. We had 135 from um, Cole's classroom, and then we had our day job income. So we were doing okay at that point. You know, all in all, it was somewhere between 250 to 300. Um, and then we were finally burned out. We're like, all right, like the day job's got to go. And the goal was to take Cole's classroom and literally, and we were still going to do weddings, by the way. But we, the goal was if we can turn Cole's classroom and go from 135K to 250k that'd be perfect and then we turned it to one and a half million that year so it worked out and i learned a big lesson about betting on yourself working smart not hard and um 
and really how big the online world really can be. Yeah, I think I think one of the incredible things in business is thinking not linearly, but exponentially. Like how mm-hmm. can I take what I have and grow it exponentially? How can I accomplish my 10-year goals in six months? Those kinds sure, of yeah. ideas, right? And yeah. so I'd love to hear that journey of you quit the day job, you have the the hundred or so K, you you you're doing well. And then the same year, you got out to 1.5 million. How how did that happen? Yeah, well, I mean, in the simplest way, this isn't as good for storytelling, but in in the simplest way, I learned how to advertise. You know, I was previous, and that's the biggest reason why. You know, now I is the biggest reason why I've been as successful as I have is becoming really, really, really good at converting strangers who don't know me and and converting them into a lead and then a customer. Bar none. That is the you know many times. You'll hear people talk about like, I think like, well, the number one, like probably one of the most highest paid professions is like in sales, right? Salesmen, like selling almost anything. Like if you can sell good, then you can make a lot of money. Well, and the problem is, is for a lot of people, they hate selling and they don't know how to sell good. And all they want to do is they want to build a product and then just like expect this like windfall of customers to fall on their doorstep. And that just doesn't work that way. So, you know, literally how it happened and and you're right, exponential growth. Like it happened. I went to a a conference in San Diego called the Traffic and Conversion Summit, which many people may have, it's a very big conference, right? And uh, it was hosted by Ryan Dice and Digital Marketer. Went there and it just so happened I was quitting my job like two weeks later. That was already like on the books. And Ryan said something on stage. I never knew Ryan until now. And he said something on stage that I'll never forget, which was essentially people always come to me and say, Ryan, I have a traffic problem. How do I get more traffic? And there's no such thing as a traffic problem because you just go to the traffic store and you buy it. And the traffic store was Google and Facebook and YouTube, you know, and of course there's more places to go buy traffic now, Pinterest. TikTok. I don't have a TikTok profile, but you get the idea. Um, and I just, right then it clicked. I was like, what am I doing? Spending all my time trying to like, just make these free YouTube videos. What am I doing? Spending all my time writing these free blog posts and hoping that people are going to show up one day. I, I already like knew a thing or two about, you know, how to, how to make a good sales page. And I was already studying copywriting and I'm a math guy. So I already knew what percentage of people that hit the page bought. So I literally in my head right then knew if I can just get good at getting traffic cheaper than how much they're worth, then it's game on. And I did that. And it was simple. I mean, it was like looking back, it was so simple. And um, I wish it was that simple these days. It's not because it's not 2015 anymore and ad costs have gone up. But, you know, it was literally as simple as I became laser focused about converting traffic into profits. And I didn't mess around with any kind of launch stuff. Didn't mess around with, you know, you got to do this formal launch and you got to have affiliates. I tried affiliates. None of that crap worked. You know, I mean, yeah, it worked to make a couple grand, but that's not exponential. That's not needle moving growth. What's needle moving growth is when I was going and spending $30 a day on ads to just try it. I'm like, hey, we're profitable still. Let me go and try $100 a day. We're still profitable. Let me try 200 a day. 
and then 500 and then a thousand. And then at the height, I was spending five and $6,000 a day on ads, which is crazy, but it was profitable the entire time. Definitely. That's, that's really powerful. That's really, really powerful call. And I'm curious to know through that journey of buying traffic and spending money on ads, because <clears throat> as, as we know, it's, it's quite obvious, like you have a high quality product. No one knows about it. You're not going to make yeah. any money. Um, what is the number one piece of advice that you can give to people who are looking to grow their business in that way through buying traffic? And, and what are some mistakes that people commonly make that can be avoided? Well, let's start with the um, number one thing. And the number one thing that people, they have to get, they have to appreciate conversions and getting really good at converting people. And what I mean by that is conversion is a big idea, right? There's like, there's copywriting, there's, there's sales page optimization, there's order form optimization, there's, you know, there's split testing, there's all these things, there's again better at email marketing. You know, you have to end up getting really good at identifying. Well, first, you have to be really good at knowing how to get people to take action, how to sell online. Too many people, they fall into the trap of they, they just want to be the creative. They just want to be the creator. They just want to hire it out. And nobody, you can go and hire an agency to go run traffic for you. That's the easy part though. They aren't the ones who are ever going to give a shit about your money as much as you will. So right away, you have to understand and appreciate that creating the ads is just one part of the puzzle. And that's the easiest part getting what happens once they click from the ad, that's a, that's in your court. You have to get really good. It comes down to having a good offer, not just a good product, but a good offer that gets people excited. Um, again, gets them a reason to take action. So many people, they have a good product. They'll even drive a good ad to it. But if there's not a good reason for that person to pull out their wallet, they won't. You know, like you think about it this way on cold traffic for obviously depends on price point, but let's just say that 2%, it's really probably more like 1%, but like 2% of a conversion rate on a sales page is probably like average. If you're just driving traffic, right? That means 98% of people that saw your thing didn't, didn't take action. How much waste is that? Now it doesn't mean that working with somebody like me can now get you to 10%, but imagine if you were able to just in your words earlier, exponentially increase the result by maybe, maybe we can identify a lot of people getting the order form, but then they fall off. And maybe we can try a few things. We change the headline. We add uh, a money back guarantee. Maybe you didn't have that. Maybe you add PayPal, you're only doing credit card, all these things. And so maybe that's one fix you make. And then we make some other tweaks and have a better headline on the sales page. And then maybe you go from converting 2% of your traffic to four. If you did that, you literally cut your ad cost in half and you doubled your business profits and you didn't have to change anything on your product at all. You know, now you go and you add new products, you raise prices, you do these other things. Guess what? You can maybe double the business again. So this is what I'm saying. Like, I'm obviously passionate about it. I've, I, I was a nobody. I was no influencer. Still am not. Most people don't know me. They, don't, they only know me if they've been in my circle. And most people aren't in my circle because I never was running ads to me standing in the garage with a bunch of car, fancy cars and books. 
Not that I have anything against Ty. I've watched all his stuff. I'm sure he's a super nice guy. And then the list goes on, right? How many fancy car guru people do we need that make it everyone seem it's easy? It's not easy. It's not easy at all. They might want, if they have a social media agency, they might want you to think it's easy because they want your business. But people need to appreciate that there's no such thing as easy money online. And the real skill comes down to taking action because most people are afraid to take action. So you have to be able to do it, do some work, and then you have to get good at optimizing the conversions. And that's exactly why, you know, I, um, I coach other people on conversion coaching because it's everywhere. People, I think, think that conversion coaching is only when you're in doing a launch or maybe, um, your emails. No, it's everywhere. When you're posting on social media, you need to learn how to get people to take action. When you're making a YouTube video, you need to learn how to get people to take action. If you're hosting a podcast, what there's always the next thing that you need them to do because it takes a lot of yeses and micro commitments before somebody actually wants to do business with you. Yeah, really powerful stuff. And I think it's interesting because you help people scale their business without needing big teams or social media. And that sounds like it's hard because I think a lot of people go into the entrepreneurship space thinking, oh God, now I need to get on Instagram. Now I need yeah. to become an influencer. Now <laughs> I right. need to do all this and that um, when, when people miss this whole other side of business that actually often works better. So I'm curious to know, because you talk about a lot about you know, getting how, telling people how they can take action, right? And, yeah. and creating an ad. What makes a compelling ad what what makes a compelling kind of post that gets someone to take action and what makes a compelling offer? Well, I mean, you know, a general framework that I think always works well, whether it's an organic post or an ad or anything is I always like to start off with kind of like if I'm writing an ad as opposed to like an organic post, one framework that we'll always use is we'll start off with sort of like calling out who, right? So like we want to like cut through the noise and be like, you know, Hey, online, uh, you know, business coaches, that's just an example. Obviously I used to be teaching photography stuff. So attention, you know, newborn photographers or whatever, attention, new parents, attention, you know, anyone calling anyone who's ready to lose, you know, then finally get off the next five, the five pounds, you know, obviously some of the stuff you, you probably wouldn't get approved through Facebook and all that, but you get the point. So it starts off with sort of a call out. And then I always like to use a question because I want to get them to stop and read the rest. So, you know, if it was photography, just because I've done literally probably over 10,000 ads for photographers, you know, it's sort of like, I always like to ask a question that references a challenge they have or the desired end result they want. So, you know, I could ask the same thing two different ways. So let's say somebody wants to learn how to take better photos with their camera. One of their sort of pain points is they're tired of shooting on auto mode or um, they're tired of their photos being blurry of their kids. The inverse of that is what they really want is super sharp photos. They want, you know, memories that are captured, photos that are capturing the moment rather than that being a throwaway picture. So I have a few different options even if the call out was the same attention, newborn, uh, attention, you know, um, child photographers, um, you know, are you ready to start, you know, taking crystal 
clear, sharp photos, question mark. That gets them to stop. If I want to do that's that sort of desired result. If I wanted to do challenge, um, aren't you sick and tired of, of, uh, taking a picture of your, your, your kids in a, the perfect moment. And you blew the, you blew this, the shot and the moment's gone and you're left with a throwaway blurry photo question mark. If so, keep reading. Right. So like from an ad perspective, that formula always works good. Call out who you're talking to question them to get them to stop and read more. And then, you know, then it's everything. It doesn't matter if I'm doing a webinar, I might say, Hey, you know, if so, you're in luck. Because today I have this free 18 minute webinar and it's going to show you how to do, you're going to leave knowing how to do boom, boom, boom. You know, you can insert then some testimonials, obviously always call to action, click here to go and save your seat done. So is that helpful? It is. It's really interesting to hear you break everything down like that. And uh, on the spot, (laughs) no no pressure there. Um, But I I think it's, yeah, I I think it's super interesting as well because you need to know your target market inside out. Mm -hmm. You need to understand what are their challenges? What are their pain points? What are their fears? What are their dreams? Yeah. And it's super hard. I mean, it's like everyone thinks they know, but then they don't. And I will say one, here's a little bonus trick is like, you know, there's so many people that I work with uh, you know, and, and it's like, we're trying to figure these things out and they might have like literally 400,000 people follow them on Instagram. And they're trying to go from being like the organic social media hustle to like building a real business that actually grows every single day. And we're trying to figure that out. Like, what are their main challenges? What are their things? You know? And I'm like, well, have you just asked them? Well, no. I'm like, well, freaking email your list and ask them. You know, and, and, and one of the secrets to our success was we always just asked them and we had enough members in our Facebook group. We, 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 we would quit doing even surveys, screw the survey. I would literally, if we were going to go and create a new product before we would, I would just literally post in the Facebook group and be like, Hey, we're thinking about doing a, uh, an in-person workshop in San Diego. We're thinking it would be middle of March. And it would be about somewhere in the somewhere in this range of price point. Here's a here's what we would cover. Um, comment below if this is something you'd be interested in. Just ask them, like you know. And if if it was crickets and nobody was interested, screw it. We ain't gonna waste our time. If everyone's like, oh my god, that'd be amazing. Perfect. You just pre-sold everyone. Literally, you could just go back and be like, hey, Yasmina, good news. It's available. Here's the link. Go buy. And like, isn't that better, a better way to launch products than like spend all this time and money to make these perfect video production series and then, you know, and do a challenge and all this crap. People make shit way too hard. I'm telling you. And it's my mission now to change that because it doesn't have to be that hard. It's as simple as go get traffic. You need, you need eyeballs and you need to get them to become a lead unless you can get them going right to a customer and then you, then they become customers. The, so the real challenge is it begs the question. I was thinking of this drive home from the gym today. We all would believe there's no one out here that could listen to me that didn't, wouldn't agree with that. We need eyeballs. We need, we need views. And so we need traffic that we need to convert them into leads and customers period. So if that's true, which it is, then the only question becomes 
how can you go ahead and get the traffic as cheap as possible? And how can you raise your conversion to as high as possible? And then, of course, within there, there's all these different strategies and tactics. But everyone gets fixated on the tactic. They all think that, well, if I just do this thing, that's going to work. But if you don't have those other pieces, you're screwed. Yeah, so interesting. Everyone is so obsessed with tactics nowadays, and they forget that every building is built on a strong foundation. That's right. And, and it's because you got too many gurus out there that are online trying to sell the tactic because it's, because it's, trust me, it's easier to sell the quick fix. The problem is, is more times than not, the quick fix doesn't solve the real problem. I even did this on, in the photography business. Our most popular things that we sold were Lightroom presets, which is basically a filter except for professional photographers. Right, So in one click, they can change the look of their photo. They love it. They couldn't get enough. I started to feel bad we were selling so many of them because that wasn't, a real, that wasn't making them take a better photo, but they still were buying the shit out of them because they thought that that was all they needed. It's a lot harder to sell transformation. That's why I, don't, that's why I would still love to lose five and 10 pounds. That takes hard work. There is no quick fix for these things. Definitely. People don't want to hear it because they don't want to put in the work. And so they so they buy the Band-Aid instead of trying to treat the root cause of yeah. the problem. Yeah. Super interesting. It um, is. So you sold your business. Yeah. And I'd love to know, how can you how can you sell your business effectively? How can you sell your business in the right way? What does a good deal look like? Well, it starts with understanding why somebody should buy you. And, um, you know, what I look for if I'm partnering with somebody or if I'm looking to acquire a business and also the same reasons that I was able to sell the business, it's, you have to have your leads. Once again, leads and customers on autopilot, like, you know, like, like we need history. We don't want like, Hey, I had a good launch. Now I'm going to sell the business. Right. So like we need to see predictability, scalability, you know, that you can rely on the data. So if you're, when, when you go from being a product creator to now a online business owner, and you have, you know, multiple products that people are buying, not just one, because that's not good, right? Nobody's going to want to buy you if you got one thing that people are buying. And nobody's going to want to buy you if you only are making money from hustling on social media. Like you have to remove yourself from the business first and foremost. So it's okay that you can actually sell an information business like I did, but it was because I removed myself from the operations, but I also removed myself from the selling. So I was no longer the product. So to sum it all up, what I, the biggest sort of takeaways are you have to get your sales on autopilot. You have to have systems in place that every day you're able to, you know, that you can go and spend a hundred dollars on ads and it's going to bring in X number of leads and X percentage of those are going to become customers. And more importantly, you're going to make more than the hundred dollars it costs you to get them. <laughs> so, you know, you, you need to be able to turn once again, ad dollars and marketing expenses into profits and do it in a predictable way. You need to also get yourself out of the equation. 
Um, so you need to have a team so that it's, you can literally go on vacation for two weeks and the business is just fine. If you want to test and see if you can, if your business can survive without you, literally turn off Slack, get rid of all that crap and disappear for two weeks and see what happens. Trust me, even when I thought that we had it under control, you know, you still have people that you don't even realize, but they're coming to you for the answers. So when you're in town, you might think, oh, my shit's on autopilot, man. Like I'm good. And then all of a sudden it's like three times a day, you have someone on your team that's going, hey, cool. Like I need help. Be like, here's this weird, the ad quit converting. What should I do? Like, oh crap. Okay. I need to teach that person so they don't have to come to me. So really those are the biggies. I mean, it's, it, if you can do all that, which is part of the reason why I started the rapid scale system program is to get people out of the equation, get them out of the one that all the sales and all the marketing rely on. Um, because then you actually can build something that can scale. Um, and you, you will end up making way more money with way less time. So you get more freedom. And what that lets you do is you have the option to sell if you want, because if I didn't sell the company, it was fine. It would just, I was, I was working only like three hours a day, making like 400 K a month. Like it was great. The fact that I was able to sell was only because I put in all the systems in place. Definitely. Yeah. So bullet point summary is remove yourself from the business and create something that can scale. It's super interesting. And hundred percent, you clearly know your stuff when it comes to that. Your rapid scale <laughs> system sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, one thing I would love to ask, I would love to talk a bit more about you. And I would like to know, so you're a part of the War Room Mastermind. Yep. And I'm wondering, in your opinion, what is the value of being a part of a high level group like that? Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think I'll start by saying something a little different, which is, Looking back on my success, I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot since I'm now coaching other people and helping them grow theirs. And I'm just trying to like always connect the dots. Like, okay, so what is it? And is there really a true shortcut to success? And I think there is, and it comes down to three things. And um, it comes up with earlier, you said like, not the bandaid, like building the right foundation. So step number one is creating the business with the right strategies and I don't mean marketing strategies, I mean like business principles, business model, the right strategy, the right products that you're going to sell so that you actually can afford to go ahead and scale with ads. I, I, there's so many people that come to me and they're like, okay, I'm ready to scale. And I'm like, what do you do? And they're like, oh, I got this $19 a month program. I'm like, what else do you got? They're like, that's it. I'm like, Psh, you're screwed. What do you mean? I'm like, you're going to have to spend $2 a click on ads. Like literally, you know, if that's all you have, like you're lucky if you break even on month four, maybe. And then if they only stay five or six months, like there's nothing, you know, we, so too many people go right into building the product and they skip the whole stage of, am I building the foundation that will allow me to scale? So that's step one. Step two is you have to take rapid action. Too many people, they don't, they aren't action takers, Right. They want the quick fix. They want the magic bullet. We all know that's not there, right? And then the third thing is access to people who've done it before. Access to mem uh, mentors, to experts, to consultants, to whatever, masterminds. And when you think of those three things, 
you realize that you need all three if you want the shortcut to success, right? Because if you only have one of those three, it, it won't work. If you only have, you can have the access to the smartest people in the world, but if you don't have the right strategy and the foundation, you can't scale. And you can have the strategy and the mentorship, but if you don't take action, you know, so you need all three. So, you know, when I look back on the five years of being in the war room and, um, you know, for me personally, the biggest, and, and just to be clear, this was cool. I did this exercise just an hour ago. So five years of war room, the price that I paid, it's a lot more money than it is now, but it was 25,000 a year. So five years, five times that's 125 grand. When I joined the war room, I had a total of 1.6 million in sales, the 1.5 plus the, the, uh, you know, hundred, whatever before. Was it worth it? Well, now I've sold over 13 million. <laughs> so if you want to, you know, when you look at the ROI of that, it's like, you know, it now, does that mean that everything that, that does that mean that hundred percent of war room made me give me those results? No, cause I had to take action, but I had somewhere to go to continue to get the right strategy. I had somewhere to go to continue to have mentorship and, and, and get guidance. And then it was on me to take action. So when you had all three of those, was it worth it? Of course. So, you know, for me though, if I were to say one thing that war room has been the most, I think helpful, it's by having access to the people who've done it, it automatically makes you think bigger. I can't tell you how many times I expected um, or I cut myself short and I kept beating my goals, you know, back, back in the beginning, man, maybe I can get it to 250 K 1.5 million. Oh my God. I never thought I'd have a million dollars in sales. Then we had, you know, then we went to 3 million and then we went and, and kept growing and never thought I was going to sell a company did that too. So, you know, I think the biggest benefit you get when you surround yourself with people who've been there and done that is two things. Number one, it's simply having somewhere to go to get answers because you can't go to Google and YouTube to get your answers anymore, period. Like the, the, there's, there's a place for that. Like if you need to learn how to create a Facebook ad, you can go and find that for free. If you need to find out how to go and launch a product, you can do that. How to create a course, you can do all that. How to use ClickFunnels. But you can't, there's nowhere to go when you're like, what's the best way to go and like build out my team? You know, like when you start growing, you have these other kinds of problems. So number one, it's having somewhere to go for help. Number two, it is thinking bigger and realizing and to continuing to push yourself higher. I mean, talk about return on investment, right? I think... I mean, it, it, it's just like when you see that, it's clearly a no-brainer. And I think that the incredible thing about surrounding yourself with people who have been, had more success with than you is that you'll, you'll have a problem and you think like, I can only get to this. And then as you say, they come along and they completely shatter all of those limiting beliefs that you had that you didn't even realize that they were limiting beliefs. And they're like, it, it's like Aladdin showing Jasmine the world. Like, uh, like, look, yeah. there's a yeah. whole new world that you weren't aware of. Um, yeah. That's pretty I mean, incredible. Yeah. One thing that I want to point out is like, you know, 
the, 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 the irony is I was always the DIY guy. I just always like scrapped and did it myself without for a long time, without paying for courses, without, um, and a big reason why is because I wanted to learn it first. Another reason was way back when I started, I was cheap <laughs> for lack of better words. I didn't want to pay for this, this, this. And then one day I realized I was hiking and I was like, you know, this is stupid. From now on, if there's a tool or course or someone who I could pay that'll get me the result faster or get me a result that's easier than do it because that's the right thing to do. Um, but what I was going to say is when people ask me about back when I was, you know, part of War Room, I still am, but like, we don't have these in-person events anymore. But like, I used to go and I'd be on the panel and people come up like, hey, Cole, I'm thinking about joining. Is it worth it? And here's, here's what I'd say. Obviously, we know a big part of being successful is taking action. The thing is, is like if you if you're in a mastermind or if you're a client of mine in rapid skill system or whatever, like ultimately it comes down to you. Like I can give you the roadmap. It's up to you to implement it. It's up. I can tell you what I would do. It's up to you to go and do it. And what I would say though, and I used to think this when I was in War Room, is like, okay, twenty five thousand dollars a year. If every single War Room event I go to, I come back with two pages of notes, which I'd have at least two pages of notes. If I can't get at least $25,000 of extra business, then I literally wasn't trying. Like, yeah, think about all the things that you learn. Even if you just implemented just that much of it, if you don't think that you can get a return on that little tiny money over the course of a year, then you didn't try hard enough. Wow. Definitely. It's it's so powerful having those guide those mentors around you who can guide you. And right. literally a two minute conversation can change the whole direction of your life. Oh, like yeah. there's two minutes of someone saying one little thing, you're like, oh. <laughs> and then you just go into a completely di different direction. It's it's one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed. Mm -hmm. Um I'm curious, Cole, do you have any mindsets or habits or rituals that set you up for success in life? Formally, no. Um, well, I guess sort of, I guess I, I, not, not rituals. I think my frame of mind is what is the biggest difference that I now have learned. I'm different than many others. Um, one of them, so I'll share a few things that come to mind. One of them is just literally being fearless when it comes to just trying shit online. You know, just there's so many people that hold themselves back on anything, hold themselves back on implementing because they're afraid it might not work or from trying a different ad strategy because it may not work or trying, you know, so like for us having the mindset of every single day, I guess this is the best way of saying it. The reason why I was able to do what I did is because not only did I, was I willing to take action, not only did I have surround myself with smart people, but most importantly, every single day I woke up with the idea to make the business just a little bit better, just a little bit. I literally was like, I didn't, I wouldn't wake up the night before with it all written down. I'm not a big planner like that. I would just wake up and be like, all right, 
let me take inventory where we're at today and see what needs to change. And it, just like I said earlier, conversions, conversion, conversion, like, okay, if I can just go ahead and drop our ad cost on this webinar registration from $4 per sign up to $3, then that's going to do this, you know? So I found myself always, I think one of the keys to my success was always asking questions and literally asking why question everything, why and how, you know, why, why am I getting this result and how can I make it better? Why are people only staying in the membership for five months? How can I get them to stay an extra month? What will happen to our business if I can get them to increase, if I can get an extra hundred dollars of lifetime value out of them? All of these questions. And most people, they don't do that. I don't think most people, I think they're just like, I got a, pro a product. Nobody's really buying. I don't know why, but one day I'm sure it'll change because people tell me if I keep working at it, it'll, it'll work its way out. Yeah, definitely. I think every single time you ask the question why, it's like everyone is on the surface, then you ask why and you go a layer deeper. Yeah. And, and that's great for copywriting, which I know you're talking about. Like, yeah, everyone is like, I'm like, hey, tell me about your program. They're like, well, they get this and they get this and they get this. I'm like, well, why should they care about that? Well, because this, but why is that important to them? Well, because of this, you know, I, we used to do that exercise with like photography, you know, and, and ultimately the reason why somebody maybe never picks up their camera anymore, it's not because they, you know, they start off by saying, you know, they, they're a photographer because they want, they like capturing snapshots in time. All right, cool. Like join the club, you know, well, why is that important to you? Why is that important to you? Why does that matter? And then suddenly you're like, they're like, well, you know, I just hit a, you know, when, once I had my own kids, I looked back at my own pictures that my mom had took of me and I have none. And that hurts me deeply. And I don't want my kids to grow up, never seeing all these cool moments and these experiences that we did for them. Ah, now that would sell really good on an ad. Right. So yeah, I mean, it works both ways. Asking a lot of questions helps you more intimately understand where to focus and what to change in the business. And it also on a conversion side helps people um, get to a, a deeper emotional trigger that also helps the conversion. 100% Win wins all the way around. And I think the thing that you were saying about making things a little bit better every day is also so powerful if you can get one percent better every day like those incremental gains compound massively over time so oh, that yeah. that's also a really cool philosophy yeah before i ask you my final question i'd love to know what was semi-retirement like that sounds <laughs> fun well, it's, <laughs> i'm still semi-retired that's the beauty is like you know it's it's i say semi-retired because i don't have to work i'm doing it because i enjoy doing it um my, I, I still wake up every single day thinking about business and it, I launched rapid scale system because I realized that I have a gift that a lot of people don't have naturally. And it would literally do the world uh, injustice if I didn't help more people have at least a sliver of the success that I did. And for me, as awesome as it is to help 10,000 photographers, and we've helped more than that, but even our members, right? Um, take better photos. 
to me, there's nothing that's more impactful and purposeful than if I can take somebody who has expertise, they've been doing it, they've kind of hit a plateau. And if I can unlock that plateau for them and get them to an entirely new level of financial freedom and impact, that makes me feel better than anything. So semi-retirement and, and continuing to work, it's, it's, it's for, for reasons of purpose. It's for reasons of impact. It's for reasons of um, additional cash, you know, but it's also, uh, it's really to keep my mind stimulated. Right. And it's also part of the larger plan for me. I mean, I don't want, I want to continue to be an entrepreneur. I want to continue to grow businesses. And I know that when I work with people and people get results, they want to continue to work with me. And that will down the line translate to equity deals and having ownership in different businesses that I'm a part of growing. So other than that though, you know, I mean, a a typical week for me looks like um, I try and go, I mean, well, a typical day is, um, you know, I, I work out and then I come home and my little toddler who's three and a half years old, she yells for me from the room in this really cute voice. And she just goes, daddy, daddy. And then I know it's time for me to go get her out of bed. And then I make her breakfast and we hang out and watch TV to watch a movie together or something. Uh, today I made her pancakes and, um, and then I go and work for a few hours with whatever the heck I want to do. Then we all eat lunch together with the family. And, uh, and then when the baby goes to sleep, the babies, I should say, then my wife and I hang out for a couple hours. Then we have dinner and I usually cook dinner. We wind down. And then once a week, I try and go fishing with my dad. So life's good. And then the only other thing in there is, you know, with the rapid scale system, I'm, which is now new, meaning I, we launched it about 45 days ago. It's going great. So then I'm just available for doing cool things like this podcast and, and just sharing my knowledge. My, it's what I enjoy. And of course, um, being there to work with my clients and help them get unstuck. So it's, I can, I honestly couldn't ask for a better, um, life. Uh, you know, it's, it's just the right amount of freedom and it's just the right amount of sort of mental stimulation and a whole lot of mm. free time for the family and, and hanging out. That's awesome. It's pretty incredible when you can get to that stage where you can you wake up and you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And if you want to work, you can work. If you don't want to work, you don't have to work, which is a pretty incredible thing. So that sounds awesome. And I'm so excited to see you help so many other people get to that place in life as well. Oh, thank so my you. final question for you, Cole, is what are three key truths about the entrepreneurial journey? that you would share with a young entrepreneur today? Oh, geez, this is probably the hardest question. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'll just go off the top of my head and hopefully we can get to three. Uh, I think a truth, one of them is it's not easy. Um, I think another one is it's worth it. And the other is, is, um, it can become very easy once you really understand your customer's pain points and their challenges and where they want to go. And you can create products and services that match those needs. Sure. But sweet, very powerful stuff. Awesome. Awesome. 
So now is your time to plug anything you'd like to plug and where can people find you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't got much to plug here other than to say if you, um, anyone who's already selling some stuff online and wants a helping hand to break through the plateau, definitely go and uh, hang out with us and, and learn more at the uh, rapidscalesystem.com. And if you want to go ahead and read more about me and, and a lot of the articles that I'm writing and stuff, um, you can go to rapidscalegroup.com. And uh, the best way to get connected with me is to uh, make sure to join the email list, but also to uh, message me on Facebook or uh, Instagram. So I'll make sure that Yasmina, I know you'll have probably links for them to click and all that. But uh, yeah, I'd love to love to chat with anyone who's who's a listener here. Awesome. I'll put that whole shebang in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on, Cole. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Have a great day. You too. Do you ever feel like you put on a front to the world? I did an episode for this podcast with my friend Will Nedder a while back called How to Hack Yourself and Live Life to the Fullest. And we were talking all about how many, many people bottle up their emotions. They mask their true feelings and their true selves with a fake smile. Firstly, because going through hard times is not something that people typically want to hear about. And secondly, because they're afraid to show the world their true colors. One thing that I really love is that Will likes to ask people, how are you really doing? Not how are you doing, but how are you really doing? Because that then gives them permission to open up, unburden, and be unashamedly themselves and feel lighter and more liberated in the aftermath. And one day Will himself was actually going through a tough time and he confessed to the person he was speaking to in that moment, I'm just low-key emotional. I just put on a front all the time. To which the immediate reply was, you should totally put that on a t-shirt. And boom, the low-key emotional streetwear brand was born. Will's passion for his brand truly oozes through in everything he does, and he essentially created this as a call to authenticity. A lot of us put on a front for the world of how we want the world to think about us instead of who we really are. We hide these parts of ourselves from others out of a fear that we will be judged negatively by others or that we won't be accepted for the person that we really are. So I want to ask you, what's your front? At the end of the day, the low-key emotional brand is all about facing your truth. So if you want to wear clothes like a hoodie, a cap, a bikini that actually stand for something real and keep your hustle low-key, I have an exclusive offer just for you as my podcast listener. With me, you get a 10% discount using the discount code YAS10. That's Y-A-S-10 at the checkout at lowkeyemotional.com. All of the links and the details are in the show notes. I gotta say, I have their hoodie myself. It's extremely comfortable. It looks incredibly hip. I love wearing it. And so if you're one of the cool kids, this is most definitely for you. Again, you can get a 10% discount using the discount code YAS10. That's Y-A-S-10 at the checkout at lowkeyemotional.com. And you too will be rocking the street look in no time. Again, all of the details are in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Young Entrepreneur's Journey. This episode is recorded in London by Yasmina Ellens. The music for the show as well as the editing is done by Jake Babineau. If you've gotten anything out of this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend or liking it in the iTunes store. These things help more than anything else in reaching a broader audience and in turn will lead to better episodes for you to listen to. Thanks again and we'll see you in the next episode.